This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Gohan from Dragon Ball Super, and you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Excuse me, Gohan, this is more of a narrator type thing. Uh, okay. Just do it more like a next time on Talk Time Live. Uh, next time on Talk Time Live. Don't quit your day job, Gohan. Previously on Talk Time Live exclusive. All right, let's talk a little bit of Ghostbusters talk. Like I said, this is a non-spoiler conversation right now because the as of today, the movie, the much anticipated, very much anticipated, long-awaited movie premieres today, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which you get the opportunity to be a part of. Uh, And what was it like being a part of this time-honored movie franchise? Oh, just wonderful. Just wonderful. I brought my little rap swag. Awesome. This is a coin. I don't know if you can see it. Oh, we see it. Oh, for those who are watching the video version, Will. (laughs) Yeah, and then this side, it's, you know, it's it's got- Zool. Yeah, and it says Rust City. So- just like all the other kids, I mean, yeah. Finn and all, none of us, Celeste didn't either. None of us knew what we were auditioning for. It's time, talk time, let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games, to come on and let's get it. Talk time, anime, comics, movies, and games, to come on and let's get it. Talk time, anime, comics, movies, and games, to come on and let's get it. Talk Time. Anime, live. comics, movies, and games that come on and let's get it. Talk time live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that song, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter where y'all from. And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news, special guests, and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes, all can learn something new me too i heard words with no faith is empty i stayed the course so my haters tempt me beep the podcast that'll make them envy it ain't too trendy it's acmg anime comics movies and games that come on and let's get it talk time anime comics movies and games that come on and let's get it talk time anime comics movies and games that come on and let's get it talk time anime comics movies and games that come on and let's get it talk time live gentlemen welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime comics movies and games this is acmg presents talk time live the prime show i am your host xavier josiah we are back with a loaded show in a whirlwind of a week i mean you're talking about from things that happen in the real world involving kyle rittenhouse but we won't get into that because this is not the format for it but also things in our within our realm involving anime uh, NYC, but we'll talk about all that in our next segment. Um, before we get to any of that, I got some a few things I wanted to announce and say. First of all, talk about we're just days away from Thanksgiving. I can't be more thankful than to thank our latest guest on Talk Time Live exclusive, Danielle Kennedy, who stopped by, great friend of mine, stopped by to talk about 
uh, her experience on the news on the set of the latest Ghostbusters movie, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which premiered this week, this Friday to be exact. And uh, we got a lot of talk about you heard a clip from that. And we talked about that as well as our other accomplishments, including her uh, award nomination at Film Quest. So if you haven't checked it out, go out of your way to check it out. It's on TalkTimeLive.com right now and all your favorite podcast platforms. You can listen to it. And especially if you're an aspiring actor, she is a very seasoned actor, if you will. And she's been in the game for around like many times. You've seen her in a lot of different TV shows and movies appearances, and she loves horror. So we get down to the horror talk as well. So she's, she's always just a pleasant uh, pleasure to have on the show, not just to enjoy having conversation with her, but just to learn from her, to learn a lot about what she's experienced. And if you're an aspiring actor yourself, you know, I, you would be remiss not to check this out and, and learn from her experience as well. She's just awesome. She's a very awesome person. Um, who just got a chance to, you know, really, you know, bust her tail to get where she's at right now and went through many different, you know, generations and situations and in, in Hollywood. So, I mean, she's a, uh, definitely a great guest to have. And, uh, I hope to have her again very soon, but, you know, speaking of Ghostbusters afterlife, we're going to be reviewing that today on our talk topic of the week. I have been waiting for it and I really wanted to talk about it with her, but you know, we didn't want to spoil it. Well, today, this is going to be a spoiler edition episode of that because I've been waiting to talk about this movie since I went to go see it. And, um, you know, since we went to go talk about it, now, me and, me and Danielle talked about it before the show. We we actually did thoroughly talk about it and I talked about what I felt about it and everything um, and things that we didn't want to spoil for anybody because, you know, we didn't want to, we didn't want to, you know, show what was going on in this case and, and everything. But, um or talk about what was going on, I should say. But I'm I'm thoroughly going to talk about this movie and our talk topic today, so stay tuned for that. And I have a big announcement. Lady Kennedy is not going to be the only guest I have. Uh, probably, and this may, I, I could say it, this may be my final exclusive guest of the year. I never know. Somebody can pop up at any time, but this one has been confirmed. We, uh talked about it last night and uh he's willing to come back to the show for his fifth time and it's one of my favorite guests it is one of my favorite actors um and it is who plays some of my favorite anime characters you may know him as gohan some people know him as fat gum or many others are captain eisen or whatever or even ryu from street fighter he is none other than cal abear and he will be making his return Thanksgiving Day. So uh, we will actually, we will be pre-recording that, but it will be, uh, it'll be released on Thanksgiving Day. So it'll be an awesome thing to catch up with him. Uh, he just confirmed that he can, he will be happy to be on. So the idea is that we're going to plan to have this done and hopefully without any delays or any, you know, postponements or anything uh Kyle has never postponed on me before so um this should be good he's usually very thorough with time and you know unless something really major happens um so he will be coming this week I'll be uh having him back on the show and we'll catch up and talk about everything from 
uh, his recent roles in anime and video games to what he's been up to and, and and just you know we'll have a great time and this is the first time i think i will be able to see kyle since probably 2014 because when i first interviewed him it was at a local con here in philadelphia and the first time we were at a diner in south street a south street diner for those who know that and we um it was a great great it was great to meet him. We had a great conversation with him and we've just been cool since. And, um, you know, him and his lovely wife, Christina, um, you know, we all met at that point. Christina was awesome too. Christina is a uh, writer herself and she wrote a really awesome story, uh, book called Ireland. Um, and she gave me that book and it was just awesome. And we, I actually had her on a show at one point to interview her about that. But, um, you know, he's been on the show many times during uh, when Street Fighter Five came out, um, when other games came out. We did a lot of catching up street, uh, Super Street Fighter. I mean, not Super Street Fighter, um, Dragon Ball Super. When that first came out, he came now. And uh, I haven't talked to him since. Not really say I talked to him, but I haven't really gotten a chance to um, have him back on the show. But he actually did me a solid and did the actual liner, the the uh, the the uh, liner that he just Grohan that you just heard. So that's why I put it, put that one on. Uh, Cause he did that for me last year. And I was so grateful for that because it is one of my favorite soundbite liners that any, that is anybody's ever done. He went out of his way. I just asked him if he could do one as Gohan. He not only did that, he did it as Gohan and the narrator. Cause he was the original, not the original, but he was one of the narrators uh, for Dragon Ball Z. And I've always, I am no lie. This is this is absolutely the truth. When I first started doing this podcast some six years ago or seven years ago, I literally, before I met Kyle, wanted the narrator to do the narrator of Dragon Ball Z before I even knew it was Kyle Abert. Because it was, I think there were like three, three, it was like two, maybe two or three narrators for the show at one point because um Funimation didn't always uh, have the rights to Dragon Ball. It was owned by somebody else. So when the Dragon Ball series originally came out, it kind of got, I believe it kind of got redubbed. And that's where Sean Schimmel and, and uh, Chris Sabat and Kyle and all the other cast came in and, you know, um, Monica Riel and all of them came in and took over and really kind of dominated those roles. They did it. They did a great job. But Kyle was one of the first narrators for it. And I've always wanted to have the narrator to say you know next time on dragon ball z but do it with you know <laughs> next time on talk time live so i actually did get that and it was totally awesome and I, he's not only done that he you've also heard him do the voice of uh ryu as well for street fighter so he's looked out for me many a times over the years and it'll be great to have him back on the show to not only just and, and what a time to do it in a time where we all need to be thankful for the things that we have and we experience throughout, you know, the year, the course of the year, it's very appropriate for me to have Kyle back on Thanksgiving Eve and, and have it out on Thanksgiving day. So, um, you know, hopefully fingers crossed that everything will be aligned and we will be set, but I'm, I'm very confident that that will happen. So, uh, stay tuned for that and, and much, much more for that note as well, but let's not waste any time folks, because, um, any more time I should say, because, well, that announcement really wasn't a waste, but I digress. We got a lot of news to talk about because there's some things that happened this week 
that is just amazing and surreal. So without further ado, let's find out what's new in the world of ACMG. And now it's time to find out what's new in the world of ACMG. Right, the first order of news I want to talk about is Anime NYC, which just which says uh, it basically today's the last day. This is the 21st. It started in the 19th. I, I should say it actually started yesterday because apparently there was some big mix up and scheduling issues going on at this event. Friday the 19th, there was a huge situation that resulted in thousands of attendees and, and anime fans all over standing in line for the course of for what i've been reading the longest i've read you know that i've been said on twitter was five hours five hours in november 19th 36 degrees in new york this event was held in at the javits center the same um you know center that new york comic-con was held in october difference is Repop really, really handled their business. And for all those people, all those trolls on social media that was trying to dog out Repop and really say that they were, you know, doing a thing and they weren't handling things properly. I'm sorry. Shut up. <laughs> okay. Because this is why you're trolls. This is it, trolls just, you know, get to spare the moment just to, you know, nitpick at things and, and to over exaggerate things. And this this uh sense of entitlement you know that they have or try to just you know dog something for no reason you cannot deny what repop has done and how well they did things at this event because they didn't have people standing out and, and, and there was no explanation as to why they were standing out there for five hours you know it's even worse they were standing out there for five hours. Some of those attendees were only getting a one day pass. So if you got a Friday pass at this event and you've been spending out there for five hours, you're all, you know, you're waiting to get in, you're cold, you're, you know, you're, you're using your phones, your phone isn't, has been charged in a while. I mean, this is a, I would be ungodly pissed at this situation you could go on Twitter right now. And there are pictures, there are video footages of this line that has happened. And didn't not only that, it wasn't just it wasn't just Friday. Saturday had a little bit of trouble too. A lot of people on Twitter were saying that it was the vaccination wristbands that they were having trouble with or whatever like that. Uh, their system, their scheduling system, it just it just wasn't. The volunteers um, apparently weren't trained enough. Possibly there was a lot of convoluted, uh, you know, structuring in this whole thing. I just I feel so bad for those people because if I'm paying yay amount of money or if I'm traveling from afar and I'm coming all the way here to be at this event or if I just spent like a one day pass and you spend five hours in line only to finally when you finally get in you only get like two three four hours of it anime New York City or anime NYC needs to I don't know how they're going to troubleshoot this. This is a major blow because not only that, there were panels that were scheduled for Friday 
that were probably rather postponed or canceled due to the situation. And even worse, like if they were if they weren't postponed, I mean, if they were postponed, they're interfering with other panels that uh, other like for those who haven't gone to a comic book convention or any type of convention, especially one as big as uh, anime NYC or um, anything that Repop puts together. Or even San Diego Comic-Con, of course. I can't, uh, I'll be, I would be remiss if I left that out. Huge cons like that require you to strategize your schedule. If you come in from Friday or Thursday to Sunday, you have an all tire schedule that you got mapped out of, of like places that you want to go, of panels that you want to see. And if anything gets delayed like that, that screws up your entire schedule. Your your entire itinerary gets screwed up. So you may miss out on something that, you know, for media people, impress people like myself. I would if I was going there and I was supposed to see something, you know, that I wanted to see. Uh, you know, I would I would be screwed. I would be majorly screwed. I believe the RDC World crew was there and they said today we're going to be there Friday to, you know, do a huge announcement and there was going to be a panel there too. I don't, and I looked on their websites and, and I mean, their um, social media and everything. They haven't made any announcements or anything or, or what is, or what happened or what now of what happened. You know, um, I think they, it, sound, it, it could be that they got screwed in the process of this, which is unfortunate because those guys are coming from Texas. And if I'm traveling from Texas and, <laughs> and I'm supposed to be doing a panel there and I'm supposed to be representing, I would be floored. Oh, you know, there would be there would be some kickback. So this is unfortunate. This is supposed to be this is powered by Crunchyroll, which is not good either because you got a company who just been uh, acquisitioned by um, Funimation. So I don't know if it's the same the same crew from Crunchyroll that is. I don't I don't know how this is being put together. Or who really is putting this together? But this just turned. I, I feel bad for these people. Now, I mean, they finally. I believe Saturday, yesterday, they were finally able to get in. They got in a little bit faster than they did, but there were still people that was um, a little bit uh, annoyed by the experience, and I don't blame them. There were also uh, the, what was it, the One Piece 1000th episode panel that everybody was trying to get into. They decided to expand to two different halls so people could get in, and there was supposed to be this commemorative coin that people were supposed to get. So like that whole thing situation apparently was screwed too. Um, this looked like this was a big event. Uh, and it, because it's on the Javits Center, it is a big event. And I, I, I gotta say, hopefully those people will get um, reimbursed or compensated in some form or fashion um, for those who did the Friday pass. And it's just in general, man, it's just, it's, just I, I really feel bad about this. Um, but what I will say again, shout out to Repop because they set the example. They set the standard whatever Repop put together. And I know who's involved in putting together Repop. And so those people and, uh, you know, uh, Mike, <laughs> Betty, um, you know, uh, Carmela, you know, and, and many, many more. Shout out to you guys. You guys put it together majorly from the time my wife and I like you guys remember when I went and I came back, I was 
I had the best time of my, I had the best time I had in years, not since 2017 when I was in San Diego Comic Con. Two major events that worked that it's it's amazing because I went to New York Comic Con during this pandemic, mind you, and you were expecting to have some type of situations going on here. That wasn't the case. We came in everything was fine now granted we did come in later in the day but even still i heard no complaints that entire weekend there was no talks about um lines being long the the, the situation with the um the situation with the line I, even, even, like we've been in long lines in the con where there was to go to like the my hero academia panel or anything there was huge very lines kind of that kind of looked like what you saw in the uh in the pictures that you see on Twitter. But they were going. We were absolutely going. And nobody complained. Nobody talked about lines. Nobody talked about anything. Everybody there had a great time. When we went back to the hotel and there were people going to the con and from and to the con, everybody just had a, an enjoyable time at this event. So, you know, this actually benefits Repop and how they put things together. Um, I believe San Diego Comic-Con is doing something next week as well. So hopefully that, you know, goes off without a hitch. But, you know, San Diego Comic-Con International, I, I, I think they're I think they'll be able to handle this. And I, I especially even more now because they I'm sure they know what happened during this situation. But the people of Repop need to commend themselves because they did everything despite the fact that they had to deal with the pandemic and the new mandates and everything like that. They did phenomenal in comparison. <laughs> okay. I mean, I had the experience of my life I, and I can compare it to that of the of both times I've been to San Diego comic-con. I had just as much of a fun time at this, at that event as I did those two event, those, um, both those events in San Diego, you know, in 2014 and 2017. So it'll be interesting to see the fallout from this. Um, today's the last day. I'm sure everybody's and see, this is the worst part because if anybody who goes to cons know that Sunday is the slow day, mostly for all this, um, there's, I mean, there's probably going to be things happening, but it, it, God, it, it's, it's a cluster. It, it's a cluster and it, we'll see, but I, I, I'll tell you this. Um, I don't see anything changing in terms of the pandemic anytime soon. Um, so they're going to have to really figure out how to do the whole Vax wristband thing and whatnot and see how they put that together because they, uh, uh, I, 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 I'm telling you, man, is it's, it's going to be bad when this is all over. I would not want to be in whatever meeting they're going to have after they close the close the doors and all this stuff it's just ooh, 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 ooh. i don't know I, I i don't know if i'm ready to and, and it's going to be interesting to see how it is going to be next year it's going to be very interesting to see you know because people rather people it, it could go to, it, the way i see it it could go two ways rather people are going to be you know i want to say traumatized that may be too strong of a word it, the, this ex, the experience may imprint in their minds and it may opt them to not go next year or people may have a short attention span with like we do 
and maybe like, okay, let's see what they do this year. But given the fact that this is done in November, which is, which is, which sucks. Like the great part about New York Comic Con was that we lucked out with some great, it was like the last great weather of the year. Even Sunday, 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 it rained, but Friday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday had some fantastic weather. And it was like the last time we had great weather for the year in the East Coast. Then you come back to this and it's 36 degrees. So you got November to worry about. And you, this is like the worst time to do a, a convention. I've always said that. Um, November is just so bad. Like I would say May to September, to maybe September or even October is the best time to have it because the weather is just no doubt is even if it rains, it's still going to be a warm rain as opposed to what the hell just happened here. It's 36 degrees and I'm out for five hours. There were people with kids out there. Jeez, hell no. And I feel bad for the people who were kids who were doing a one day pass. God, they're going to have to compensate for them. I hope they do. And they did to their credit. They did address it. They didn't apologize, but it, I hate when corporate corporations do this. They never really apologize. They just go, go around the way of saying we apologize. <laughs> it never is a direct apology. I don't understand the, the uh, structure of saying, I'm sorry. It, it's, it's like to say, I'm sorry, or I apologize. It means defeat. Regardless of whether you say it or not, it is defeat. There's no doubt about it, but like they at least addressed the situation without saying that, you know, they screwed up. So, um, fortunately this year is a lion con and I feel bad for everybody who was affected by this as well. So it is what it is on that. Let's go on to some great news though. One of the greatest networks of all time is back it is come it is returned this week gamers rejoice and new gamers get ready because g4 has returned g4 was one of the best idea concepts in a long time and i was so devastated when they actually got out you know for a gamer like me g4 was just everything g4 was the mtv for gamers and I loved every bit of it, um, but they had, they ended up falling out. They were bought out by tech TV, you know, a, a bunch of bad business decisions occurred and they were bought out. And when tech TV took it over, they added, you know, a lot of crap, a lot of crap in this format. We, I was, I started seeing Star Trek, the next generation reruns on there, cops, cheaters. It's funny. They, it, I'll talk about it in a minute, but, um, you know, but the, the lack of gaming continuity was missing and we got attack on the show, which was probably the best thing that they ever brought, uh, in there. And it was a shame. It was a real shame because the, the idea of a whole entire network that was just celebrating games was just awesome. And now we got it back. And it looks like they're going to be better than ever. And there's a lot, there's already a lot of changes, a lot of great changes that has happened with this. And if you didn't catch it, I highly recommend try to find it. But the, I've, they had the, they started with the showing of um, a very special G4 holiday reunion special, which was 
hilarious. And it was a great way to not only introduce people to G4, to get the fans that were watching and supporting G4, you know, get that nostalgia kicking and to show the passing of a torch. This was hosted by none other than comedian Ron Funches, one of my favorite comedians of this generation. He is hilarious. He's a big gamer. He's a wrestling fan. You couldn't have picked a better host. And he's the voice of uh, King Shark on uh, Harley Quinn as well. Um, and on, on the Harley Quinn uh, animated series. You couldn't have found a better host. You I absolutely could not found a better host for this. He was phenomenal. I mean, he is... He's 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 like a actual villain himself <laughs> in his own right, and he really played it up really well. So we got to see appearances from the cast of X Play, which is my favorite, Adam Sessler and Morgan Webb. That was which is one of the greatest combination of host ever. You know, I, I loved and shout out to the uh, Electronic Playground, you know, crew, which for some reason they never mentioned. I don't under, I don't understand that, but it, they just never mentioned the guys. You know, Tommy Tolerico and um, forgot my other my uh, my dude's name because he's still doing it to this day. But I don't know why they just decided to wipe them from history because they were the original game reviewing and game you know game show for G four. But um, we got an appearance from those two, and then also the cast of Attack of the Show with. The, with including the return of Olivia Munn and it's, it's funny because a lot of these guys have moved on to uh, do some really great things um, Chris uh, Chadwick as we know he started being he started doing the talking dead and he started hosting um, New York uh, I mean San Diego Comic Con Hall H panels all the time so we you know you know he moved on for that Olivia Munn probably the most successful of the bunch went on to become a really one of the most popular movie stars out there. By the way, she's in another show I'm going to talk about in, in, in this uh, segment too. Um, and a surprise appearance by Austin Creed. And it was awesome because they had like the, the premise of the special was that Ron Funches invited the two cast, the cast of the two shows to uh, talk about their experience on the old G4 and how things were ran and how they were producing things and how much fun they had and also the the things that went wrong they were very open and candid with the experience but it was also playing along a situation where ron funches is planning to technically kill them <laughs> for what they did to him apparently years ago when he was an intern at x-play there was a there's so many comical moments and it just reminded you of why g4 was so awesome and how charismatic this cast was um, especially Adam Sessler. Adam Sessler, you would think that this dude is a comedian. He is not. He just, he's hes naturally comedic. And how he plays that into a lot of his reviews. Him and Morgan Webb. Morgan Webb is another one that people kind of just written off as like, okay, you're a model. You're not really playing these video games. And it was hard because during that era, we never seen women who look like Morgan Webb play video games and be so into video games she was known as maxim's uh you know top model gaming models or something like that she was on she was in maxim she was a maxim model for quite some time but she was also known for being a legit gamer now it's she kind of helped pioneer and popularize gamers of all you know you know in the female uh demographic a lot because now we see a lot of 
you go on Twitch, you go on Instagram, like there's nothing but like, you know, Instagram models and gamers and all this stuff out there. Morgan Webb was a pioneer of that, you know, but it was, it's not just your casual geeky type of, you know, uh, girl. It's now everybody is, you know, is game. And at the time, even still gay women weren't known for being gamers like that. It was just like a hidden thing. But Morgan Webb and Olivia Munn and all those, you know, the staff there, they really put it on a spotlight. Like everybody is a gamer and they put gaming to a light and they made gaming a mainstream thing by having this channel there, by having those shows there. And it really put a platform on the gaming industry that was much needed and well-deserved at that. So they all, this whole thing led to Ron Funches revealing that he was one of the interns for X-Play. And if you guys watch X-Play, one of the things that they did was that they hazed the interns or people that they put, that they had dressed up to be quote unquote interns. And Ron Funches revealed that he was one of those people that they hazed and never gave him an opportunity to help grow, you know, G4. And that's why G4 fell. So he trapped them into the, the, the room that they were in and it started with the gas only for, you know, Austin Creed aka xavier woods to bust down a door and save them which then led to you know um austin pretty much now for those who don't know xavier was wwe superstar they call him austin creed but he also addresses himself as you know xavier woods and they this is based upon some contractual issues with wwe which is leading to him and you know not doing his show up up down down because their contract somehow says that anything any 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 compensation or benefits that he gets from doing outside gigs like this they take a portion of it or they take all of it because it's the dumbest thing ever and it's one of the reasons why wwe is in the state that they're in and why they're doing what they're doing i don't understand how people are still you know i can understand people being wrestler fans i don't understand how people can be wwe fans what are you what are you defending everybody every time you, you defend them they fire somebody else there was even a clip for the by the way for those who already know if you're a wrestling fan they just released like at least 10 new people from that company and there is actual video game there is actual video footage of austin creed on the set of attack of the show as he's getting the news that 10 of his uh his uh co-workers are being released from that company being fired i should say how are people defending this but i digress it's a whole nother subject subject for a whole nother time he came in and you know said how much he was a fan of all of them but also addressed the many issues that g4 had including lack of representation but did credit them for having olivia munn in there which was a little fun little moment there but now there's going to be a change and at the end i forgot which one i forgot the guy that um the guy one of the cast members from um g um from attack of the show who's now taking over g4 as i believe president or something he's in a high rank you know he's overseeing some things now but he gave austin the a gold suit uh briefcase which was kind of saying i'm passing the torch on to you and they're going to spearhead a whole new entire relaunch of the show and this led to another special which is called the catastrophic relaunch of g4 which austin hosted and it allowed them to introduce a lot of different uh, uh, um uh, pretty much introduce the new cast 
but also doing so in a G4 way. There was a lot of crazy hijinks involved in this wheel that they spin. And, you know, if they spin it one way, they get they did these crazy little. Sometimes a little bit of icky <laughs> type of uh, activity, you know, and then there was they were just waiting to spin to see to relaunch the um, to relaunch the actual uh, show and it gives a tour of the new set. The new set looks fantastic. Um, they announced the four uh, premiere shows that, you know, the flagship shows, I should say, that will be premiering on here. And I'm pretty sure there's going to be more to come in, within a year or at a year span. But uh, this is going to be awesome. So they introduced a very new and diverse cast here, which I absolutely love. There's more diversity than is ever the the, the amount of di um, diversity that is in G4 now is like literally 200 <laughs> percent. That's how white G4 was back then. Like there were no, there were really no, with the exception of Olivia Munn. Literally, it, it was total whitewash type of situation, but nobody really focused on that because these guys were so entertaining and they were so much fun to watch that, you know, we enjoyed it. But in hindsight, I agree with Austin. I wanted to see some of us there and now we do have that. So we got a bunch of new people, new age people. We got Gina Darlin for who's going to be on Attack of the Show. Uh, gentleman by the name of Kasim is going to be Attack of the Show. Kevin Pereira who is the original cat, uh, host of Attack of the Show. He's returning as the uh, the season host of the uh, of the show. Adam Sessler, thank God, Adam. Like, I, I love Morgan Webb, but if Morgan Webb's not gonna be there, we gotta at least have Adam Sessler. Um, but Adam Sessler and Morgan Webb are the best combination, but Adam Sessler is awesome. He's just fantastic. X-Play is a really great show, and I love the way he, he um, he reviews shows he his writing his his writing and everything is just so awesome when he reviews shows so i i really kind of play off of him and and i like to study adam sessler but he's hard to study adam sessler he's his, he's his own dude <laughs> i would never want to study to be exact like him but his charisma his fluidity in, in how he reviews um shows and his writing is really well done um new a new cast member by the name or host by the name of frost who apparently she is going to be a person that we're going to see a lot because she's going to be on x play and many many other shows she's really spearheading the show and i like her she is really funny uh she's ballsy she's bold i really like where they're going with her the black okage a lot of people know him from um you know twitch and in instagram and stuff like that he's representing right now i hope that we see more and we will see more we actually will see more um black host uh we already got well i think like three so far that is uh in this uh in the chat in the network right now still want to see more i want to see more of everybody but they've they've done a great job so far uh we got uh uh, over, uh overlay may uh she will be hosting a show called boosted one of my favorite Esport commentators, what I consider the best esport commentator in the game. Alex Golden Boy Mendez is also on uh boosted. He's a part of the G4 family now. Let me tell you, he was nominated for the Game Awards multiple years. Um, and I think he got the short end. His and not only that, but I think AEW dropped the ball in hiring him 
to be one of the commentators. I thought he did really, really well in one of the, uh, I think he did, rather he did, he didn't do all in. He did another, he did an AEW event, one of the earlier events. And I thought he did tremendous, tremendously well. He knew the people that was involved. He was very professionally in there. He was just, I thought he was just as good as uh, Excalibur, but Excalibur has a lot more knowledge of wrestling than he does, but he was able to play off of Excalibur really well in uh, one of those, in some of those AEW events that he, um, co that he commentated with him. And um, it he did really well, but now he's the, at the home of G4. I'm all about it because they saw the potential in him. I thought he was, I think he's just absolutely awesome. And B Dave, who's just, just like this giant, you know, D and D dude <laughs> who will be hosting the main host for invitation to the party, which Frost will also be a part of as well. So I love this new cast that they have so far, and they did a lot of great things in this to introduce us. And they also topped it off by um, putting in a world's record by uh, creating the biggest Nintendo game controller, workable game controller ever, and also getting the highest score in, uh, in Tetris using that score. So they made two world's records right there and in, in live TV to start it off. So it was it it was awesome. I smiled the whole entire time. I like the direction that they're going. I'm looking forward to it. I'm watching X play right now, watching some of the other shows, uh, just putting G4 in as one of my favorites on my cable, on my, uh, on my cable listing. It just feels so right. <laughs> just this, what I, it, it's funny too, because I'm both, I'm kind of both, I'm kind of both excited and scared because the big question here, ask how will this network, the return of G4, affect the landscape and dynamic of the gaming industry and the streaming influencers on the internet and social media that covers gaming. Because now we have this network and the, the difference between the networks and and, and, and and online streaming is viewership, is how many eyes will be seen. No matter how many followers or people that are on social media, with some of the with some of our media outlets you're on network tv so people like the black hokage who you saw on social media he's getting even more exposure than he's ever gotten so i'll guarantee you from now to um because he's seen on tv because he's constantly in the eyes of us he's gonna get seen more i think my only thing that i would love to because the I think the idea of calling being called the Black Hokage is derivative, in a sense. Maybe that's I don't know if that's the right word to say or not, but it, it's like okay. If you're talking in terms of, and I'm going off, I'm going off key here, but I just thought about that. If you're in, if you're in a hit and leave, Tsunade became Okage. Did they call her the female Okage? Nope. If you're, if you're Kakashi. You become a Kage. Do they call him the one-eye Hokage? Nope. So why in the hell? And, there, and by the way, there are people of color in the Hidden Leaf Village. If you watch Boruto, you know that there's black people in the Hidden Leaf Village. There's also Killer B and his brother, the Kami Kaze Kage, who also is black. I totally believe that they're based off of Ghostface Killer and, and, and uh, Raekwon, but that's a whole other situation. But, um, they just they're just a hokage they're just a kazikage so 
you know, calling. Yeah, uh, it's it, it sounds cool, but when you really think about it, it's like, okay, should you just be the Hokage or the Grand Hokage or something like that? You know, I don't ever let me interview him because that question will come up. <laughs> but you know, again, this this whole thing, like with that much exposure that these guys have, um, it, it just you know, especially you know, especially Gina Darling. Trust me when I tell you, Gina. If you haven't seen Gina Darling, she gets a ton of exposure already because she is not ugly. That woman is ridiculously gorgeous. Imagine, and they—they're not stupid. They hired her for a reason. She's like she's she's Morgan Webb and Olivia Munn combined. So imagine how much exposure she's going to get now. Whatever hundreds of thousands of you know um, followers that she has now. I guarantee you by next year there's going to be a uh, it's going to be over a mil. I guarantee it. That trust me. <laughs> I would be very surprised if it doesn't get that. Especially the more that they do in that company, that exposure is going to be major for them. So it's going to be, and, and not only that, G4 is no doubt going to be the pinnacle of gaming, of the gaming industry. So how is that really going to affect you know media? How does that is going to affect you know IG you know IGN? IGN in, in, in the game spots and all the stuff like when G4 left, it, 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 it left a gap to fill. And that was filled up with social media. That was filled up with media, with um, media websites like IGN and GameSpot, who, you know, who people relied on for game reviews and all this type of things. Now, people are going to go to G4. Guaranteed. People are definitely going to see G4 as that top pinnacle because they're now in the limelight. IGN had the opportunity to really do a network and they haven't, they decided to do streaming. Now we're going to see how this works because now we got G4 and a new generation where there's a whole bunch of different type of, you know, deals. And it's going to, it's going to ask the question, which one's better network TV or social media? We're going to see that we're going to, it's going to be a very interesting 2022. Um, to see how G4 is going to attract more viewers onto their platform, who's going to be siding with G4, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, in accordance to that, the game awards, are we going to see the game awards on there? Is Jeff Keighley going to make a return? Jeff Keighley used to be on G4 as well. So how are they going to break bread and work together and do this? You know, are we going to see G4 exclusively? I mean, are the game awards exclusively on G4 where everybody can watch this instead of having it seen on you know multiple platforms now a lot can change in 2022 we will see depends on how much power g4 has and i believe they do have a lot of power because they're being backed by i believe I, if i'm correct comcast may have their hand in this i forgot i when i saw the uh when i saw the website i do believe they're being backed by a major major company or i believe they were mentioned being backed by a major company as well so um yeah man it's this is gonna be crazy this is going to be crazy but uh i'm ready i am ready for the return of g4 i've been waiting i i i've always wanted this show to come back uh, i miss watching x play um and now we got two new shows we're probably gonna have more shows down the line coming in but this is a great start these guys are just i, I love it this is gonna be awesome so get ready folks and if you haven't watched G4 before, you're going to love it now. And hopefully they'll start showing some old clips of us. Uh, they already are. They're showing um, the vault, G4 vault, which is uh, 
some clips of their old reviews of old games and all the stuff or in old segments that they do so get ready just get rid of ninja warrior i, I ninja warrior to me was another problem like i get it you guys were the first to do ninja warrior but that was during the tech tv era where nobody asked to watch ninja warrior i, I nobody i i did not like the idea of ninja warrior because that's all they did and all they played and in fact when they did return before they were actually um officially full that's all they were showing a marathon of ninja warrior just to fill just as fillers get rid of the ninja warrior i don't want to see ninja warrior i want to see anything that is not game related <laughs> i need this i need because ign and GameSpot did the same thing that everybody was doing and it was like they stopped focusing on just you know games centric they were not a game centric company anymore they just more entertainment centric because they felt they needed to more, have more content games in there and i and, and i don't mind it in a sense but i want something that's just catered to one aspect of my fandom and i'll need g4 to be that if ign and game spots and well game informer still got game informer has to do it they have game in their damn <laughs> they have game in their damn name for god's sake uh so does GameSpot, but they kind of format it out of there it, it's like you're not doing exactly what you say you're going to do so i g4 please stick to what is best uh I, that's all i ask but i am very happy that this network is back i am also happy about a new tv show that i don't think nobody knew about and until they announced it and in, in, in you you know if you got hulu and your notifications or your ipads and or tablets or smartphones nobody saw this coming what the hell is marvel's hit monkey well apparently it's a show about a monkey based on one of marvel comics most indie titles ever <laughs> about a monkey who turns into an assassin and is being guided by the spirit of a former mob hitman that is guiding him to get revenge on his entire uh tribe of uh monkeys that were assassinated by this um by this mob that was trying to kill him and seriously like this series is awesome it is funny it is very violent this is very unmarvel <laughs> this is deadpool level um and even for even even more so the premise of this series it feels more like image comics to me than than it does a marvel deal like it feels like something robert kirkman came up with um but it was announced that this not only was coming to hulu but it nobody i swear to goodness nobody who i've talked to knew that this series was coming it just came out of nowhere normally this was like a soft pro it, it wasn't even a soft promotion it was just like a shadow promotion because the only time I heard about this series was when it was announced that it was on Hulu. And it is, it's just un. the thing, it, the, the, the show is wild. I can't believe that I actually, that they actually came out with this and I'm enjoying it as much because they actually, there's, it's a hell of a cast. Fred Tatasher is in it, Olivia Munn, that's why I mentioned Olivia Munn. Jason Sadukas is in it and George Takei just to name a few is in this series and it is connected to the marvel universe they I, one of the episodes they do make mention of kingpin in here so it's wild man i if you have if you have hulu and you've not seen this show 
I highly recommend going out of your way to see this show. It is just crazy. Fred, no wonder I can't find Fred Tattashore. He's playing the damn monkey. <laughs> this show is wild. I kept seeing his, I kept seeing um, Tattashore's credits all through the actual show. And apparently I'm like, I normally can detect his voice in some form or fashion. I've watched enough Fred Tattashore to know his many different variation of voices to know some type of a signature. I could not find it. And I'm looking at IMDB right now. He's the damn monkey himself. So, I mean, the show is deep. It is not for kids. It is highly violent, but it is highly original as well. So I go out of your way, check that. I haven't finished all the episodes. I'm, I'm at uh, episode seven now. I still got four more episodes to go, but man, and, and the art style is the art style and animation, I would say is kind of, you know, it's, it's in the mix of FXX style of animation that you see, you know, animated shows that you see on air or even Adult Swim. And this is very Adult Swim level. This is very FXX uh, level series. And I won't be surprised if you'll see this series played on either or as a special or something. But it is it is really it's an instant hit. It's already being, you know, loved by many people. I can't wait. I know there's going to be a season two. So I'm looking forward to that, but kudos to Marvel for sneaking this one in, but not telling anybody that it was coming out. So um, I also wanted to talk about the full trailer to Spider-Man, keeping up with the Marvel, <laughs> the full trailer to Spider-Man No Way Home, which we got a chance to see in a little more in-depth understanding of what's going on, who's involved. We got to see in here, William Defoe return as Green Goblin. We got Doc Ock in here, you know, who realizes that Peter Parker is not the Peter Parker that we know, which is Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker. So they are in fact the villains from the Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi, you know, uh, version, which is coming in all mixed in. Doctor Strange tells Peter that uh, they have to find a way to send them back. These uh, villains are destined to die at the, you know, after battling with Peter and stuff like that. So we also see the appearance of Jamie Foxx as Electro, as well as the Lizard and Sandman from the Amazing Spider-Man universe as well. So we, I mean, we're getting a mix of everything. What we haven't seen yet is Tobey Maguire, or we haven't seen uh, Andrew Garfield, who still has not revealed that they are going to be a part of the show. Now, the thing is, people are getting pissed off because there's this, this. I swear to God, people don't learn lessons here. Every single time a major trailer comes out, people get all pissed off because, oh, they show too much. Whatever. No, they have not. They showed exactly what they wanted you to see. And at, as always, you will see more. They have plenty of surprises that they are leaving to us. Uh, we haven't seen Venom. We haven't seen um, we haven't seen any of the other cast come in. We haven't seen the other Spider-Mans. We don't know who's coming in. We could probably see Miles Morales from the from the animated universe, for goodness sakes. Marvel knows how to keep secrets. They know what they want you to see and what they don't want you to see. Trust me on this. You will be fine. But again, it's coming out December 16th. I am so looking forward to this. I'm also kind of nervous as to see how this is going to end <laughs> because we know he's going away. <laughs> So we will see, but they're going out with a bang. I'll tell you this. And it, they're, they're definitely doing things on or going in the right direction. And, you know, we also got Mobius, uh, Morbius too, which is going to tie into certain things as well. So the good thing about it 
about this Spider-Man is that if you don't realize it, we're actually getting the Sinister Six in this action. We got Sandman. We got, I think everybody's out, but Vulture that's in here as well. I mean, like Spider-Man, uh, let me look into IMDb, No Way Home. Cause uh, they're not gonna, and just like I told, just like me, um, me and Danielle Kennedy spoke about in our, in our interview, I'm looking at IMDb right now. And I know that IMDb is not going to reveal everybody. They have revealed William Defoe is coming back. They have revealed that Alfred uh, Molina, um, Molina is coming back as uh, Otto Octavius. So we, they revealed that Jamie Foxx is Max Dillon, AKA the uh, Electro. But uh, we have not, oh, JB Smooth is coming back. So uh, we have not revealed a lot of other people that is going to be in there. They are still keeping it under wraps. So I don't expect them to say, put in everybody in here. Uh, revealed, but I expect more people to be coming. They never really reveal it until the day of. So they, you know, like I said, a lot of the company, a lot of the studios, you know, have the on their own accounts in IMDb. So they control who gets seen, who gets put into their uh, credit listings. And some of them, they hold off until they tell them until uh until they um reveal it the day of so we will see i am looking forward to it i am uh i, I just want to see where they go i think marvel studios is going to do it right but after that i don't know where this is going so all right last bit of news or last thing i wanted to mention here oh no two things actually real quick if you haven't watched sesame street in a while and you're a comic book fan and you haven't watched Sesame Street in a good while, I think you may be ready to want to watch this one coming this Thanksgiving because the one and only, one of the greatest, if not the greatest comic book artists of all time is coming to Sesame Street. Yes, Jim Lee announced that he will be coming to Sesame Street. He announced it on social media, along with a pic of him in the episode or from the episode, I should say. and. I think for the first time ever, this is going to be one that even adults proud. I think this is one that's going to, from a demographic standpoint, I think more adults are going to want to see this than the kids. And I, I'm, I'm actually going to watch this. I, I have no kids, but I'm going to watch this because I am a huge Jim Lee fan. I, you guys know I have, I have Jim Lee all around my place now. I bought that, that uh, Jiggly canvas signed by him at New York Comic Con. So. Trust me when I tell you, I am definitely looking forward to seeing this. this is awesome. This is like walk of fame level uh, to have him on that show. So that's dope. It is, and it's going to be out this Thanksgiving. So I believe HBO Max for those who, um, which makes sense because it all makes sense because HBO Max is a Warner Brothers uh, product, which also owns or runs DC Comics, which of course, Jim Lee is, you know, the head of. So it all works together. So I, I you know, I, I love this. I absolutely love this. I'm looking forward to seeing this. I haven't got a chance to see Jim Lee in quite some time. And at least we can all see him now. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he talks about with them and everything. It's just, it's just great. So, all right. Last thing I want to mention is my thoughts on Netflix's Cowboy Bebop. This in hindsight is a respectful variant of the original anime from production presentation and character portrayals 
I was as skeptic as everybody else, but I'm willing to give it a try. I'm not going to prejudge it like other people have not literally know some people who prejudge it. And I don't understand why people prejudge things head on. And you could I, I just don't get it. You cannot consider yourself what makes you so intelligent to understand and think that something is going to automatically be bad just by the trailer. So there are always going to be people who are going to rather overreact about things and and not, you know, understand things and not give things a chance. Some things you got to give a chance for me personally. Actually, overall, I watched the entire season. I enjoyed it overall. I absolutely enjoyed it. Everything in the series feels very familiar from costume design, CGI effects, which I thought were pretty good. I don't understand where people thought it was bad. I've seen bad CGI before. This was not it. They put in a budget for this. And of course, the iconic musical score, which it takes directly from the original anime series, where I think played a major role in, you know, getting the feel of the original series. Now, take note, I will say this too. I watched the original series literally before I watched the new series. And I guarantee you that a lot of people who are probably going to give their feedback and compare it in contrast to the original series did not watch the original series. They're just going by their memory of what they've seen. And they probably haven't seen the series for years on end. So I'm going to tell you why I like this just as much as the original because they did something here that the original have not. Despite a few liberties being taken with this story of the uh, original series, it doesn't fly too far away from the premise. In fact, it actually strengthens the premise of the actual story because it provides clarity to the main character's backstories, something that the original story did not do. Because if you can remember the 26 episodes, uh, consisted of like random adventures with the cowboy uh, bounty hunters as they search for basically bounty across the space. That was their only thing that they did. And they kind of left hints of a few things around talking about vicious and all in, 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 in the syndicate they you know, Spike was involved with. They didn't really follow that heavily. And it was OK, you know, However, this lingering secret that Spike had, which was never really fleshed out in the original, was emphasized and focused on this one. The Netflix series capitalized on this by bringing more attention to the characters like never before and fills in the gaps to question to questions we never got in the anime. I'm serious. If you go back, I will literally watch finish watching the last anime uh, episodes because, all right, truth be told, I never actually got to the end until now. So I'm seeing this literally I've watched. I always watched up to like 20, maybe 18 to 20 uh, episodes in, but I never got to see it. And I know he died. I know Spike died in the original. I just didn't know how he died. So I needed to find out before I watched the series. And I got to say, and I'll talk about I'll talk about that in a second, but I love the fact that this this series kind of really put a lot more focus on Spike and his involvement with the syndicate. It also uh, gave a bit more backstory to Jet as well. As far as the performances goes, I thought they were very solid. I thought they were solid to and very familiar. Uh, John Cho does a really good job owning the persona of Spike, despite the fact not having that iconic rugged rugged 
raspy voice that we hear from Steve Bloom, which we all love. And I absolutely love Steve Bloom. And I believe he loved the series as well, according to uh, him in the series. Um, Daniela Panitas, um, Faye Valentine, was probably the one uh, role, the one character portrayal that I had to warm up to the most. Because while she looks and sounded like the part, in a sense, the show takes liberties with her character by changing a few characteristics about her. In the anime, she's a bit of a more of a con artist that constantly took advantage of Spike and Jet playing uh, the flirtatious yet reliant or dependent uh, girl that felt that all men needed to shower her uh, or treat her like a queen. In this variation of Faye, she's already a bounty hunter because in the original one, she kind of she wasn't a bounty hunter at first. She actually started as a con artist that kind of, you know, eased her way into the, you know, to Spike and and and, uh, and Jet. But then shortly after, she ended up working as a bounty hunter with them. They end up working together. Here, she's already a bounty hunter from the jump, and she is more proactive and independent here. She also, um, you know, I believe this was a premise from the from the anime too that she was trying to find her identity or some bits of her past. Um, after, in this case, she was um, she's been she was held in crypto sleep for so long, and I don't remember that being a part of the premise of the original. I, I don't require that being a thing um, in the anime, perhaps. But the best performance to me, perhaps, was probably Mustafa Sakir who not only looked the part of Jet Black, but also sounded exactly like him in every way. The mannerisms, everything. I thought he was spot on as the character. Um, but the show pays also respects po uh, to popular episodes as well. So you combine all that together. I thought, it, I thought it was enjoyable. And I looked at this the same way. I approached this the same way that I approach every single Marvel or DC movie or TV show that I have that they're not going to go exactly the same way. I don't understand why people keep making that mistake. They're not going to do exactly. I mean, it's not to say that they could and they, I would welcome it if they did it, you know, went word from word, scene from scene, because we seen that, you know, Zack Snyder did it with the Watchmen and, uh, and it was wonderfully done. So it's not to say that they can't do it, but they decided to take liberties with this and go another direction. And, you know, some of the episodes that they have are very familiar to the anime that we saw and some of the scenes that they did. So they didn't go far away. They, they left quite a bit for fans to be accustomed to and be nostalgic with. So, you, you know, I thought they did a great job with that. There were some really awesome scenes in here that I felt did a really great job with. Um, but then there's also the main antagonist, Vicious, who we only seen vaguely in the anime. I believe I, I believe I'm correct. He was only shown like maybe once, like at least twice in the anime and more thoroughly. in at the end, we get we get a lot of him in the Netflix version. And it was a great I thought it was a great idea that they did this because now we understand the connection between him and Spike, which you know, they, they go thoroughly in the backstory of this and we get an understanding as to why those two had a thing. Like the only time we've seen anything about the syndicate and, and Spike's involvement thoroughly was the last episode and then he dies. <laughs> okay. So not only that, 
We also get more focus of Jet as they show as the show reveals that he has a daughter, which I don't believe. I swear to goodness, I watched all those episodes recently. I don't believe he ever mentioned anything about a daughter. Um, and and the fact that he is, you know, he well, he was a former cop. Well, I believe he definitely was a former cop, but. The fact that how he got his arm that way, how he split up with his wife, how he was, you know, he how his whole entire career got screwed and he became a bounty hunter. Uh, it was really interesting. Um, there was also some changes in the end. I won't spoil it for anybody who hasn't you know, seen it yet, but there's going to be some changes to the end. I actually don't mind it because it, 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 I will say this. They are having a season two. Uh, I will. I will reveal this because people were wondering if ed was going to be in there we got ein we got everybody except for ed but they started mentioning ed throughout the entire series his name is radical ed and lo and behold at the end of the episode we got ed and i don't know who this kid is but he sounds and acts just like ed i was very excited he's even got the same costume the same look and everything Kudos to them for really, you know, going hard on the representation and look of the show. It, the presentation looks absolutely, it, the feel of it, everything about it looks just like the show. It felt like the actual anime. To me, it did. Um, there's going to be some people who are going to deny that. But I thought Netflix did a great job. I want to see season two. I hope they will give it a season two because now we got Edward in there. Um, in there and now we're going to see some craziness. But they what they did, what I loved that they did is that they stretched it out. So Spike did not die like we I knew he wasn't going to die because I knew they were going to stretch this out until a whole nother season. But the question is for me, because I had this question watching the last episode of um, Cowboy Bebop. Did Spike really die? They left that so open ended. I mean, yeah, he got shot up yeah they the camera panned up to the sky but we don't know if he necessarily died they left that open-ended if they wanted to take if, if if the netflix series wanted to take you know liberties with it right now they could easily keep him alive and say that Faye and Faye and uh jet came in just in time to save him they got him in time they you know secured his blood flow whatever <laughs> they can easily say that he stayed alive so they left that open-ended and if they're doing all if they're taking liberties with this show as they have been i wouldn't mind seeing him still be alive because you can't say that he actually died at the end i people been saying he died so so many times he fell to the ground yeah doesn't mean he died you know there were guards there who knows the guards that the guards didn't save him <laughs> and you could you, i mean you can really work out all that in period so we'll see but i honestly i enjoyed the series i hope they do another series because i thought they did a great job much to the chagrin of uh social media and the trolls out there and the anime uppity you know community out there so i really enjoyed it i i um i thought they did a great job so kudos to netflix they came back because they did a few other live anime a live action anime series that didn't flop and it looked like they're going to be doing a lot more i their talk that they're doing to be working on yu yu haka show and damn it 
That's one of my all-time favorites. You better, yeah, damn sure better get that one right. It's one of the greatest animes of all time. Okay, before Bleach, it was Yu Yu Hakusho. Uh, and if you haven't seen that, go out of your way to check it out. That is one of the dopest animes of all time. I love it. Go, if you, it's on Funimation, it's on Hulu. You can't. It is even on. Uh, I believe it's on other. Uh, like, who has it? Toby, which is free, so you can check it out there. It's the subtitle version. Funimation has the sub and dub version. But go out of your way to check it out. It's awesome. As is this show, in my opinion. So, folks, that will do it for what's new in the world of ACMG. We're going to take a break, come back, and I am going to review Ghostbusters Afterlife. I've been waiting to do this. So we're going to have fun doing this, and we'll talk about the movie. We'll do that right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dax Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, the voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go. Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live. Live.com. TalkTomLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTomLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live. This is Charlotte Chung and Fred Tatashore. And you're listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Do it. And now, it's time for our Talk Topic of the Week. Ready? Wait! Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with our Talk Topic of the Week, and it is my review of Ghostbusters Afterlife, the long-awaited and much-anticipated successor and sequel to the original series. This, in fact, was directed by Jason Reitman, who is also the son of the late great Ivan Reitman, a.k.a. Egon, and the entire movie is kind of pays homage to him and his character, uh, as well as the original movies. This was, in fact, to me, a love letter to Ivan Reitman and the fans who enjoyed the first movie, first two movies, I should say, uh, like myself included. Um, I loved every minute of it. I came out of the movies in the same way and feel that I did with um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I was highly entertained. I loved the characters. Uh, it was a lot of great comedy, great funny moments. Music score was great because they used the original guy, uh, the original guy to who does the uh, musical score, and have him return to do this one as well. I loved the the camera filter and how they filtered it with the grainy type of feel, kind of give it the almost old school '80s type of you know retro vibe to it, but still looks a little bit more modern. And I love the premise of it. Basically, you have a single mom and her two kids that arrive in a small town because they got evicted from their old town and they discover the connection to the original Ghostbusters and the legacy that the grandfather left. That grandfather, in fact, was Egon because Carrie, played by Carrie Coons, or Callie, I should say, or it's Callie, played by Carrie Coon is the uh, daughter of Egon and she had so much resentment of him because he left them not only just you know upping and left but he left them with nothing but she never understood why he apparently during the times when everything was quiet and, and Ghostbusters you know vanquished and you know captured all the ghosts 
in New York, you know, there was nothing left for them to do. They lost money. They were less funded because they were, they were pretty much defunded. <laughs> there was no crime in the street and they were pretty much defunded. Um, and as a result, you know, they didn't know how to finance themselves back. They were in a hole. They were, they owed a lot of money. So Egon up and left because in fact, not because that he was losing money or anything, because he felt that it wasn't exactly over. In fact, he kept saying it was the end of the world. It was coming. And at the beginning of the movie, we see a shadowy, I love the way that they filmed the beginning of this because, you know, we know he, Ivan Reitman passed away, but they found a way to have somebody look like him but not really see him. He's just a shadowy figure in some cases, but we see the hair, we see the familiar, you know, features of him. And, but he's in his farm and his farm apparently is built to protect uh, him from, you know, these ghost threats that are coming. Well, apparently he lost power and he ended up basically, he got killed. He was, he was killed by a demon as a result. So, but his spirit still remains apparently because now we got, you know, Callie and his two, and her two kids, Trevor and Phoebe. Trevor played by Finn uh, Woodhart and Phoebe played by McKinnon Grace, who, my goodness, is the spotlight, is the absolute best in this film. I thought this young actress, who is now 16, by the way, because if you guys remember, you know, um, Jason Reitman was fighting hard to get this movie out especially after the uh, results of the rebooted version that everybody, a lot of people hated. I actually actually was one of the people who did not um, hate that movie. But I will say this, after watching this movie, I totally understand. I get it. And I, 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 I I'm, it's hard for me to admit like that, like, I don't want to say that the that the reboot was still bad. I still liked it. But what Jason Reitman did with this film, it's totally respectful to the original. It felt like nothing has changed and it just got better from this point on. I thought they did a tremendous I thought he did a tremendous job getting this movie out. But you know, going back to the movie story premise and premise is that they come back and you know she's inherited the farm that egon has gotten she never tells the kids who he actually is or you know what it is and phoebe apparently is a prodigy is a child prodigy a genius if you will mensa level if you will and she's a, she's a young scientist who is way ahead of her time and a lot of people's time but she carries the characteristics of egon but she has a bit of a sense of humor because <laughs> she tends to make jokes for every so often but I tell you, she was so awesome. I loved her character. She, and I'm like, I've seen child actors before, but nothing like this. She, she literally commanded that role and really commanded the entire movie. I loved it. In fact, what was so great about this was that this was the passing of a church. Like, of course, we got a lot of the original cast members returning. Virtually all of them came back uh in return but it didn't overwhelm any of the premise of the new characters that were basically being passed the torch phoebe obviously is going to be this generation's egon you got trevor who technically is peter vinkman bill murray's character um you got celestial connor who is trevor's who's um 
Trevor is actually has a huge crush on and they kind of like digging each other. So they're kind of on a dating tip, but she technically is the new Winston of the group. And then one of my second favorite actors of the bunch, Logan Kim. This kid is hilarious. And my God, he plays a character named Podcast because he basically has a podcast, but he covers all supernatural, um, you know, phenomena that goes on in their town of Somerville. And he has this podcast with only one subscriber, but it's a very significant subscriber, I would say. It's hilarious. And we'll talk about it in a sec. Um, again, we got a chance to see one of the highlights of my viewing of this was being able to see uh, my good friend Danielle Kennedy on there. And I love the scene where they at the diner because her role and they got her credits on air at the end as Roller Granny. And the scene was so great. <laughs> because it's it was it was very significant for me because of course I know who she is but I heard they made you they let you hear her voice before seeing her and I automatically lit up and I knew I'm like oh my god I know that voice <laughs> in loud Dolby sound in, this, in the theater and here she goes roller skating right into the scene and it's very awesome just it, just for that one uh, role that she's in and we talk again if you haven't gotten a chance to check out the interview I had with um, Danielle and Eric, go out of your way to check it out because there's a lot that went into that role and including the roller skates uh, situation. If you haven't heard that, please go out of your way to check it out. It is awesome in there. So they're in this little town and they're checking out this phenomenon because this little town gets a lot of earthquakes and everything. And this leads to Paul Rudd role in here as Grubinson, who's like an actual scientist himself but also the teacher, he's a teacher in this role who only just like, they, they don't have the means to teach these kids. So all they do is just show them a bunch of horror flicks throughout the day. They don't learn a darn thing. They, they played Cujo, the old movie Cujo with the killer dog. They played, I forgot other movies that they played, but they were just so inappropriate movies to be playing during the school time. It was hilarious. So while he's doing that, he notices how uh, intelligent Phoebe is and gets, more you know those two end up being teaming up together to figure out what's going on with the town and why these earthquakes are happening Phoebe is being guided by kind of a spirit type of situation which she's unfazed by just like Egon was actually unfazed in the original two Ghostbusters whenever some phenomenon comes by and she's realizing everything's going on and she already knows that her grandfather is guiding her I, even before she knows that it's Egon and she somehow finds a way finds out and realize that her grandfather is Egon gets upset with the mom and everything because the mom thinks that he deserted her. And then later on, Egon, the spirit, ends up guiding her to the basement area and really shows that he's been keeping track of her the whole entire time and he wasn't really deserting her. In fact, that he's at the farm to keep from Zul from coming back. You know, there is no Dana, only Zul, that Zul. And it was pretty awesome. I loved it because what they did basically is that they kind of history repeated itself and instead of the original cast coming back to fight Zool, you got this new generation is coming back to fight Zool, and you're you got people who are playing their respective roles in here so you, podcast is definitely ray he's dan Aykroyd's character lucky is winston trevor is peter vinkman and phoebe of course is is going to be the uh egon of the bunch very well done um but it was, and, and and shout out to Bokeem Woodbine who actually made his appearance in here as well because he played Lucky's um, 
father, who's the sheriff of the town. I was really, I love Bokeem Woodbine. He is, I don't think Bokeem Woodbine gets enough credit, but he plays always the, he plays some of the most rugged and badass characters ever <laughs> in here. Um, he's just awesome. So, and just to be a part of this film, to me, being a part of this film to me is like when people were all clamoring to be a part of uh, Star Wars when that came out and everybody wanted to be a part of it, no matter how big or small the role was Kevin Smith it was a stormtrooper in there and stuff like that and like it was it was just awesome uh it, you know I, I felt it was in that great so like I said to see Danny to see um Danielle <laughs> in that role it, it's kind of like a, a a badge of honor to be a part of such an you know iconic franchise and, and be a part of the original fa uh, franchise at that that it was intended to be and it was awesome. Annie Potts also comes back as Janine, which I thought was interesting because I thought she was going to be the mom to Egon and the daughter to uh, and, and mother to Callie. Comes to find out that wasn't the case. So I'm, I'm very interested in seeing who the mom actually is in this bunch. Um, but then we get to like near the end and we start to see things come together and we start to realize that, like I said, I said, mentioned that history repeated itself and in fact did because we see Callie and Paul Rudd become like the gatekeep, uh, the, what is it, the gatekeeper and the key master. And you know what happened in the original one where the gatekeeper and the key master gets together because without them, there is no Zul. Callie and Gruber, Gruberson becomes the gatekeeper and the doormaster become the demon dogs. So in fact, Paul Rudd is the new Rick Moranis. Kaylee is in fact Sigourney Weaver. So everybody is getting these new roles and parts now and taking, you know, of the original uh deal. I thought it was so awesome. I would I it was so awesome about that for me was that I thought I would detect that going in. No. For me it was undetectable. After a while I started realizing I'm like, okay, everybody's taking over the prospective roles of the original cast of the first movie and everything's happening all over again. And I love the fact that when, you know, Phoebe and, and Phoebe, a lucky podcast and Trevor were in the tomb that they somehow noticed that there was a timeline that was happening every, what, 400 years or 40 years or something like that, where the demons were trying to free Zul. And it was the last time was 1984. And now it somehow landed in 2021 perfectly for us to notice this. So, um, I love how they did that. I love how they did that. And it was just another, you know, nod to the 2004 movie and the the events that happened in, in New York and whatever. And uh, I thought it was awesome, but it was it was the end. It was the last scene where you got Phoebe fighting off against Zul. And again, like I said, some of my favorite scenes is where Phoebe has the proton pack and she, they do close-ups of her face and she is like, she's just look what she, I think she was like, they, they called her, consider her like eight or 12 or she was 12. I think she was 12 in the film and she's using a proton pack, a very dangerous proton pack, by the way, that no kid should be handling and she's handling like a boss and they do close-ups with her. They got her, you know, Egon like uh, hairstyle and the look on her face was just like determination and, and, and empowering. It was really awesome. She she came off like a superhero on this thing. So dug it. Um, 
but she faced off with um Zul in this you know photon pack uh, battle with she was putting our powers against hers let me tell you i don't know if jason reitman is a dragon ball z fan but oh my god this scene where you had the return of the ghostbusters trying to uh you had um ernie hudson bill murray and dan Aykroyd return you know to face off against zola once again um state you know even though they're a lot older than they were before you still got the same vibe as you did in 1984 it was so beautifully done bill murray is is charismatic as ever he did his thing it was so lovely um but it was at the end where you know their proton packs went out it was only phoebe left and it was her facing off against zul and they had this little climatic battle where her proton pack uh photon energy was facing off against zul's power and it was then that egon the spiritual version of egon who looked my god thank goodness for technology and cgi technology this day they did a holographic cgi beautifully done version of uh ivan reitman as egon he didn't talk he didn't need to Nonverbal communication it was just so well done and this was the part when i was in the theater and i was starting to break because this was that that yondu moment in guardians of the galaxy where it just got like it, that's you cannot watch that film without getting emotional and i got damn near i was like damn you why did you get me like this and i'm tears are coming down my eyes watching this scene but that scene where she was still facing off against zul reminded me a hell of a lot like goku versus go i mean cell versus gohan in dragon ball z they did ex it is exactly like that when um goku spirit comes down and guides them to push in more power to defeat cell they did the exact same thing here with Zul when Egon did the same thing with Phoebe. And I'm like, wait, is Jason Reitman a Dragon Ball Z fan? He has to be. This is exactly the scene from Dragon Ball Z, the Cell Saga. Regardless, it worked to its benefits and I thought it was awesome. The other thing that was really cool was that Winston, Ray, and, 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 and Peter, for the first time ever in our eyes, crossed streams and which was said never to do but they seem how they somehow mastered the technique of crossing the streams and making it more powerful to you know to face zool with and I, I that was awesome because that was always the thing that was always said never to do and everybody's been saying that almost never crossing streams is the most iconic saying in mo in terms of movies as much as it is sweep the leg from karate kid <laughs> We can know we now have to retire that because you can in fact cross the streams and they did it in a way that it didn't you know they did it it felt like they they mastered the technique with this it was really well done but that moment right there was cool and the movie in general was just i you know it was worth the wait overall if you are a fan of the original ghostbusters you gotta check this out if you haven't already this movie paid so much respect to everything and as i said in the beginning of this uh, uh segment it just paid respect to his father in the most beautiful way i mean talk about the most like this is why movies are one of the best uh, form art forms out there 
and media our firms out there it's just tremendously done way to way to say i love you dad and thank you for all that you've done way to say thank you to the fans for all for the support that you gave for the throughout decades of since 1984 you know thank you to the cast you know it, it, it thanked a lot of people and it gave opportunities for new people to shine like i said this movie like phoebe uh, um mckenna grace is now like 16 years old she was very young when this is out when they first when they originally filmed this um which i believe was from what danielle said it was in canada when they uh filmed out there so kudos to all of them this was tremendously done well worth the wait i hope that we see another i i, I really hope that we see another um movie because damn it they deserved it like I want to see Phoebe in podcast. <laughs> and, oh, by the way, speaking of that, I forgot to mention, we find out that one subscriber to his Supernatural podcast was in fact Ray Stentz, aka Dan Aykroyd, who, you know, really loved it. I love the fact that he said, like, after uh, episode 45, you really found your, um, you really found your groove there. So I, 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 I so love this. I absolutely love this. Good job. Great job on all of them. This movie was awesome and it was a great way, great way to pay homage to the original film. Ghostbusters Afterlife for me, you can't, how can I not give this an A plus? I came out crying and joyfully crying and emotionally happy. I get an A, just give me an A plus. This gets an A plus for me, no doubt. I absolutely love this film. I highly recommend this for any original Ghostbusters fan out there. And again, I, like I said, I defended the original Ghost, the, the reboot, but after watching this, I totally understand what went wrong with the other one in a sense and why this needed to be done. And I'm glad it was. So there you have it, folks. That will do it for this edition of Talk Time Live. Again, we are just days away from Thanksgiving. So which means I'm going to be taking a few days off. I will not be doing a select start episode, even though I do have games to re uh, that I can review, which gives me more times to play those games. And, um, which I'm playing right now is Pokemon diamond, uh, right now. I told you I'm not getting both of those damn things. Um, and what else am I playing here? Uh, forgot the, uh, oh, Mario, uh, superstars, um, Mario party superstars I'm playing as well. So, you know, I will be reviewing those two, you know, when we get back on that. So stay tuned for that. Um, also I don't, I won't be having a Sunday show as well, but like I said, this Wednesday, well, actually Thanksgiving, I will have a, an exclusive episode with the one and only Kyle Abair, the voice of Gohan from Dragon Ball Super, the voice of Fat Gum from My Hero Academia. He's coming back on his show. We're going to talk about what he's most thankful for, and we're going to catch up with all that he's doing right now with the world. We just uh, you watched My Hero Academia World Heroes uh, Missions. He was on air reprising his role as Fat Gum, and he's doing a whole bunch of stuff too. He's got a podcast. We'll be talking about all that and, you know, catching up with him as well. So stay tuned for that. But before we actually end this, I just want to say Ghostbusters Afterlife wasn't the only movie I saw. Got a chance to see King Richard, which I think Will Smith is ready for another Oscar nomination, by the way. Uh, it's on HBO Max. Highly recommend everybody to watch it. But I also want to say don't just watch it, learn from it, because there's something that I think happens all the time in the real world, which this is based on a real life situation, but this is something that the lesson that I take away from this is a lesson that you all should. 
you watch these films, but you never think that you are part of these films, that there's not characters that represent you. All I got to say is don't be that character that is going to deny, that is going to neglect, that is going to, that is, you know, going to doubt, laugh at, leave or lack confidence. And especially in, in my in my community, the black community, we need to stop doing that because I mean, in some cases you are strengthening people, but you're also can be weakening people as well. Luckily, Richard Williams was a guy who, regardless of all the trials and tribulations he'd been through, he still had the strength to encourage his kids to be who they are, which are Hall of Famer, you know, sports Hall of Famers, if you will, iconic trendsetters, you know, pioneers, if you will. He inspired and, 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 you know, as long as you got that great support system, it's fine. But not everybody has that support system. Not, not everybody has that family support system that the Williams has had. Whether you're a friend or anybody, if you see people that are striving to prove their worth to the world, encourage it. Show support. Show positivity. Because what you end up doing is that you're, you, you wind up holding yourself back more than you hold, try to hold them back from their ambitions and dreams. You're only going to feed them more, but whether you feed them or not, most people are going to persevere from it. Some people won't, but some people needs to need that support. Some people need to be encouraged, need to show that they have something worth in this world. And we don't get enough of that. And what you end up seeing from this is you get people like Serena and Venus Williams, but it wasn't the negativity that made them what it was. It was the support that they had. And the more support that you get, the more that you feed positivity and starve negativity, the more we will get more people inspired to look out, to do more, to be encouraged to do more and reach out to want to give back. And we don't see enough of that these days. I want us to see if you take anything from that movie, which is an awesome movie. And I would also give it an A plus real quick. It's just that dope. It's going to be an Oscar winner. If I take anything from that movie is to never be that person who shows any type of shade to anybody else. Don't be that person because you're going to wind up. You're going to wind up looking like the fool at the end. I'm telling you now from experience that I've already had people who already did the same thing and still is doing it to this day. And they keep seeing me doing awesome things despite the lack of, you know, support and all the doubt and denial that they have. Stop. Recognize what you're doing. Change the way you're doing things. And don't be afraid to embrace people. We need to all do that. So that's all I want to say for that note. And as we end this, I just want to say happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Happy holidays to everybody out there. I can't believe I'm saying that. It is technically getting close to December, which means Christmas and all that stuff is coming. So, you know, I hope wish everybody a happy holiday, a safe holiday. Please keep the peace out there. I hate to say it be cliche, but stop the violence from going on right there, especially in my city here in Philadelphia. Be safe. Keep everybody vaccinated. Boosters is out for everybody. So jump on that as quickly as possible. Keep, you know, keep everybody safe out there, not just for yourself and just enjoy it. I want 2022 to be a much better year and I want us to keep going it, but we got to change. We got to do better. We have to. 
So on that note, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I will talk to you guys soon with um, Sir Abert himself. The Saiyan, the hero of the UA, <laughs> if you will. And uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. But so that'll do it for me. On behalf of myself, this is Dax Xavier Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out of here. Take care and have a great week. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.